hit this. I think there's a reason why it's going to be 70 degrees today, because the Brewers are turning up the heat. They have won every single series that has been put in front of them after taking down the Cardinals yesterday on Easter, which I hope everyone had a great Easter. Six to one. Willie Adamas, a man possessed three of four of the homer, doubled three RBIs. Christian Yelich is the back with a home run. Rowdy Telez getting it done. Freddie Peralta. And how about the bullpen? Scoreless for, what is it, two-thirds and uh, uh, 23 and a third innings? And Rowdy in attendance for the win. Yeah, so if you look at that bullpen, probably the biggest question mark the Brewers had coming into this season, if you measure bullpen by ERA, the Brewers have the best bullpen through three series. If you measure through whip, which is walks, hits, per innings pitched, they're third. Who would have saw that coming? Not us, Rowdy, um, but listen to this. 23 and one-third innings. I have a question right away. I see our guy, the King, is already on. Uh, Kinger, we have a, a, a question for you specifically. I don't know much about, or anything I should say, about AEW wrestling. So listen up. Rowdy has a story. Rowdy was at American Family Field yesterday watching the Brewers uh, take down the Cardinals 6-1, to watch Willie Adams put it on, the home run of Christian Yelich, Rowdy Telez, Freddie Peralta, the bullpen. But our guy Nelly over here, Rowdy, made it on the Jumbotron. Rowdy, tell the fine folks how you made it on the Jumbotron and what the mess, the question is for the king here on Twitch. Yeah, so... This might have went over the TV broadcast, not sure, but it was definitely on the Jumbotron. And the reason why we got, well, I should take you back. So we, my dad and I went to the Brewer game, uh, shout out the Grassman and W-O-T-E and Shano, because uh, we used his tickets. Grassman, he rocked it. And we, great seats, sitting on first base, uh, probably about 10 rows or so up. And you know how you just get there? It wasn't very packed because it was Easter. I think there was 27,000, 28,000 people. Uh, but, you know, you, you kind of sitting there and a lot of people around you start chatting and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there was a family of, you know, this guy that looked like he was probably late 30s, maybe into his early 40s, uh, a couple of women, and it sounded like his brother-in-law and two little kids. I don't know who they are. No. Just, you know, random conversation back and forth. Then about two-thirds through the game, this camera crew goes, hey, we're going to put you guys on the big screen. And they were kind of talking to this family, but I figured. It was right behind you. Yeah, literally the row right behind us. And I just figured, oh, they probably just kicked, you know, picked out a family for the game. There was a few families in the area. Yeah, They're going to yeah, film yeah. them. It's Easter family. Yeah. Well, they put this guy on the big screen, and he gets up and starts, you know, doing the, hey, Turns out he's some professional AEW wrestler named Colt Cabana. Yeah, who the hell's Was Col- talking to this guy off and on the entire game, had no idea who he was. So Colt Cabana, that's the guy's name. Uh, I found pictures of it uh, here on Twitter and a video as well as a short video. You can see the top of Rowdy's head and the top of his dad's head. <laughs> it's very brief. Who is Colt Cabana? The only person I know that loves AEW wrestling is our guy, the King, on Twitch. Great listener. Great guy. Ooh, I think Scotty also follows AEW. Let that Scott about that when he calls in for music trivia. So, King, who is Colt Cabana? Because Rowdy was talking with him, chirping him up, and then he got on the Jumbotron with him. No idea who he was. <laughs> I got the picture. Colt Cabana, AEW professional wrestler. Who, Who is that guy? I have no idea. I have no idea who Colt Cabana is. Was he a nice guy, Rowdy? Yeah, he he seemed like a normal late 30s, early 40s dad that was out there with what appeared to be his wife, brother-in-law, and their family, and their two kids. Like, that's what it was. So, I, again, I found... He wasn't overly big or, like, you know, like when you see, like, John Cena or The Big Show or, you the know, big, insert big some show. of these huge WWE wrestlers that yeah. are juiced out of their minds. He <laughs> didn't... He was, like, I don't know, six feet tall. Do you like, think he was off the juice? Was not on any juice? He looked like a normal, like, late 30s dad that was into sports. <laughs> I, where is he from? I gotta know more about Colt Cabana. Uh... Uh, let's see here. Uh, the King just says, oh, not Colt. What does that mean? What does that mean? Like, is Colt a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he is he an up-and-comer in the AEW? He must have something about him because if he was supposed to throw out the first pitch, it looks like um, reading on Twitter that he got axed from that. And then he hung out with the Easter Bunny. 
And then he sat behind Rowdy, which probably was the highlight of his day, sitting behind you. Uh, let's see. King says he's from Chicago, if I'm correct. Then, Couldn't tell you. I don't know. Don't know anything about it besides he got to uh, – Rowdy getting to – it's not that Rowdy got to talk with him. He got to talk with Rowdy. Well, the, here's the other thing. No idea who he was or anything <laughs> until they put him on the screen and you look back and go, hey, that guy's a professional wrestler. Okay, he's 42 years old. Hey, I was right. Late 30s, yeah. early 40s. He's from Deerfield, Illinois. Uh, went to Western Michigan University. Uh Apparently says he's 6'1". Would you say 6'1"? I mean, he could be, but he's not overly hulking. He's not like Brock Lesnar, John Cena. Uh, 233 pounds, it says. And uh, played football before graduating with a business degree at the University of Michigan. That's all it really says. Uh, Dude, honestly, at 6'6", 230 pounds, seriously, looks like a late 30s, early 40-year-old guy that you know, had some athletic ability that is now a dad. That, yeah. that, that was him to a T. So Never would have guessed. He was in Ring of Honor Wrestling, uh, Wrestling Society X. Apparently had a cup of coffee in the WWE and then went to the independent circuit, back to the Ring of Honor, the Japan Pro Wrestling League rowdy till 2020, and then the AEW. So they quite the journeyman of wrestlers. No idea. Uh, what inning was it, King said? Um... I have the video up. I'll have to go look. But, Rowdy, the game itself, I loved your tweet. Welcome to the Willie Adamas show. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. Now, it was the rookies uh, all the way up to this point. Yesterday, it was Willie Adamas, a home run from Christian Yelich, and you got Rowdy Telez, so some of the familiar faces getting it done. And then, of course, Freddie Peralta in the bullpen. Uh, the sights and sounds of American Family Field yesterday. How awesome was it to see the Brewers, especially driven by Willie Adamas, take the series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Or how about the fact that Christian Yelich putting it together as well? Yeah. Christian Yelich. Um, yeah. I mean, Willie Adamas was the show, right? Willie Adamas had the solo shot. He had the big hit early in the game to give the Brewers a lead. That's why I tweeted out the Willie Adamas show. Yeah. Uh, let's see. King, it looks like it was before the top of the sixth inning. That's when it happened before the top of the sixth. Cause it says do up next inning Contreras. Oh no, sorry. It was, uh, it was either bottom of the fifth or about to be top of the sixth. So somewhere in that range, I think from what I, from my, uh, I think it's bottom of the fifth is when it happened with the, uh, the jumbotron with Colt Cabana and Rowdy. Yeah, dude. Okay. So Brewers kind of turn it around. Well, not the Brewers turning around. The Brewers are hot, but Yelly turning it around a little bit. Rowdy Adamas waking up Rowdy Telez waking up complimentary baseball with the rookies doing their thing too. Well, there's one thing you should notice. So, I've been harping on this for it feels like two seasons now with Christian Yelich. I went on like a 25-minute rant last summer about <laughs> you it. You did. When Christian Yelich is going good, when he was a Miami Marlin at the time, he was a doubles hitter. He was a guy that hit the baseball the other way. You know, he let the ball travel and then served it the other way. If you watched and noticed about the game yesterday, every single one of Christian Yelich's hit was to center field to opposite field. He was not trying to pull the baseball. When Christian Yelich has been trying to pull the baseball since basically he shattered his kneecap in 2019, for the most part, it has been weak rollover ground balls to the right field or to the right field side where he weakly rolls over to first base or second base. When he lets the ball travel and serves it into opposite field, which would be left to left center, that's when he's at his best. And yesterday when you saw it, notice that every single one of his hits came to left, left center, and center. That's what he's got to do to get back to where he's at. And if he can become like a double sitter once again and is a, is a borderline all-star, the contract looks a lot better and this Brewers <laughs> offense becomes a lot more potent. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. Willie Adams bringing together um, as well as he, Yelly right now batting two fifty seven. After, what, he had three hits yesterday, an RBI, a home run, only struck out once, two runs with five at-bats. Yelly also uh, on base percentage 381 right now and slugging 371. Willie Adamas is the story of the show yesterday in that bullpen. So is Lamar Jackson coming back to the Baltimore Ravens or what? Because Odell Beckham Jr. just signed a one-year $18 million deal with the Ravens. Sorry, RJ, what would you say? I thought he was going to the Jets. It was on the list, but 
going to the Ravens, who as of right now don't like have a quarterback. Well, I mean, I guess they do. He's under contract, but he wants out. But then he posted on Instagram a photo of him and uh, Lamar and Odell FaceTiming each other, all pumped up about him coming to the Ravens. What well, the hell's going on? Clearly, Lamar Jackson wants to get paid, and I think he also wants some weapons because outside of Mark Andrews, who's the weapons or skilled players for the Baltimore Ravens? I know, you know, Rashad Bateman has a lot of upside, but he's a young player that hasn't been able to stay healthy. But they, they don't have a ton. Uh, and then the running backs, they went through running backs last year or the last couple of years like crazy with yeah. injuries and didn't ACLs. Two, didn't and, two go down like back-to-back days yeah. of practice? They the last injuries? couple of years, their running backs haven't have been injured, and it's basically Mark Andrews. <laughs> so so uh, what's going on? Um, Odell Beckham Jr., if you remember last year, we were playing a video of him on a podcast saying like he doesn't want to play a full season. He doesn't want to pick and choose and then maybe play like some, for someone in the playoffs. Well, now he's playing the whole season and maybe the playoffs. And then that left wondering, like, okay, there's one star gobbled up, but how good is Odell Beckham Jr. now? Like, how how much does he still bring value, Rowdy, to a team? I, 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 he would, but I mean, he how would. much? I mean, he's... But how much? Yeah. But look at what he did for the Rams, uh, not last season, but the year before, yeah. before he tore his ACL in that Super Bowl. I mean, he brought a little bit of juice to the Rams, but again, he's he's not a number one receiver right now did and he, hasn't been a number one receiver for years. Did he bring his own juice, though? I think Urban Meyer might have copyrighted that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, Cooper Cup was the guy. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, Allen Robinson was also on that team. Like, that Rams team had a lot of different targets for Matthew Stafford to throw the football to. He didn't have to be the focal point. He didn't have to be the number one receiver. I don't think we've seen Odell Beckham Jr. be a number one receiver on an NFL team in years. Yeah, it's been a minute. Well, um, Odell Beckham Jr. lands with the Ravens. Um, I would assume that means Lamar would maybe be getting paid. Maybe they're doing something with this contract because that's what Lamar is looking for is to get paid. How is Odell going to be feeling? When uh, he's standing wide open in the end zone, and Lamar Jackson is trying to run it up the, you know, to the side to score himself, I don't know. Because <laughs> remember, they tried to convert him into a running back. He should be a running back. He's become a pretty good blocker. Yeah. So Odell, good luck there. And then uh, I was reading this. It leaves another question for a big time wide receiver who commands a lot of money. What about DeAndre Hopkins? Where is he going to go? Um, I know some Packer fans have been claiming for DeAndre Hopkins, uh, but Rowdy, if you want to get DeAndre Hopkins, there's one thing you need, and that's money. What do the Packers not have, boys? Money. Yeah. Money. Money. Uh, like all of the Green Bay Packers signings that you're going to see for pretty much the rest of the offseason are going to be low-level veteran minimum type signings. They don't have the room. Correct. And especially right now, like there's a few moves that they can do to free up more money that they have not done yet that you would expect them to probably do. Yeah. Like extend Rashawn Gary would be one of them. I know there's a few other guys where they can manipulate their contracts and and money to money. carve out a little bit more, but there's not a ton of money to go around for the Packers. No. And if you're the big name guys that the Packers are going to be bringing in here in the future are going to be draft picks. Yes. Yes, because they have money to sign their draft picks. They don't have money to sign really any big time. And that's why Dalian Levitt was the last free agent (laughs) signing that the Packers. Yeah, he's really moving the needle too. Uh, For Hopkins, Hopkins set to count for a $30.75 million cap hit in 2023 and a $26.2 million cap hit in 2024. If Hopkins is released, he would still likely command top dollar on the open market. They say the Giants could uh, potentially get him. Um, The New England Patriots. As they're looking for somewhere elsewhere, the New York Jets could also be in the business for DeAndre Hopkins after Odell Beckham Jr. signs with the Baltimore Ravens. Meanwhile, they have this. The Detroit Lions have a promising young group that is expected to make some noise. They could potentially be in the play for Hopkins, and they also say the Chicago Bears. They already have a pretty deep receiving room. Yeah, you've got to add, add more, RJ, or, uh, RJ. I think that would upset some things in that room. <laughs> I say the, the Lions have a promising young group that is expected makes make some noise. They could be adding. And also the Chicago Bears, who added some help from star quarterback Justin Fields, getting DJ Moore from the Panthers, could still use more talent 
and help accelerate Chicago's yeah, that, rebuild. That's a team that needs more talent at the wide receiver room. They do. And they have a lot of money. Yeah. So you could be seeing someone in the NFC North, not the Green Bay Packers, bring in DeAndre Hopkins. But how much juice does DeAndre Hopkins have? Yeah, that's and here's saying. the thing. It's, uh, it's funny that now a lot of Packer fans, or at least the Packers front office, wants to bring in some of these weapons, wants to give Jordan Love weapons, and they tell us, you know, let's not uh, – Let's not get our expectations set too high for Jordan Love, yada, yada, yada. But the same Just time, yada, 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 the best part for the bet last decade, this was the same front office that wouldn't give Aaron Rodgers weapons when Aaron Rodgers was the man. Yeah. But now it's kind of funny. Now they no longer have Aaron Rodgers. Now they want to get weapons, but they don't have money, but they'll draft weapons. It's funny. Ow. But at the same time, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got to just be pissed. Well, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And if you're a Packer fan that's got like a level head on their shoulders, you got to be raising an eyebrow through, be like, "What the, mm-hmm. what the, what the f was going on here, dude? How come you never got Rodgers anything?" And now the Jets, they could get DeAndre Hopkins, but is DeAndre Hopkins like he'd be good? The question is, when would he get hurt? Like, well, and that's the other, it's like, the same hey, thing with Odell Beckham, DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. Arguably, before COVID, was one of the best wide receivers in the league. But it's been a few years. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he hasn't been healthy. Yes. And he's he's getting older. Correct. Again, he makes a lot of money. There's a lot of things going against him. I have not heard of uh, a big transfer coming in for uh, Wisconsin basketball besides Noah Reynolds. And that's I not, know there's been I don't know some. How to say it's a big transfer, but. Some people highlighted that are in the portal or have connections with certain Badger players, like being like a Chucky Hepburn friend that are in the portal yeah. that are maybe ones to potentially watch. But I, I haven't really seen, but I haven't been following it super closely, like any big-time player legitimately linked to the Badger. So I just saw um, Greg Gard said they're active in the transfer portal. I didn't really name any names. And then a couple of days later, it was Noah Reynolds from Wyoming coming because, you know, Jordan Davis is gone wherever he's going to go off to. But I've not heard of uh, anyone else coming in. But we'll uh, we'll get our people on it. You know, Zach Halperin, Ben Kenny. I know he's – if someone breathes a word about the Badgers, Ben's all over it. So we'll ask. Speaking of Badgers, you have the launch next week if you want to get uh, jacked up, inspired for that. Uh, something I want to talk about tomorrow, Rowdy, when it comes to – you brought up Tanner Mordecai, the Wisconsin Badgers quarterback. Uh, he has got a chance, especially with this new offense, to uh, really light it up. So we'll talk uh, Badger quarterbacks gone by and what Mordecai can bring because he, he's the dude. And if you go and uh, follow some of the beat reporters that have been covering all the 15 open practices, Mordecai is absolutely crushing it. Uh, speaking of Zach Heilprin, uh he was talking about Mordecai saying that, uh, let's see here, no idea how good Mordecai will end up being, but the consistency he's played with the last five practices hasn't been common over the years at UW. And you said this earlier today, Rowdy, the ball barely hits the ground. He routinely makes the right decisions, and he puts the throws exactly where it needs to be. And uh, the first look they got for four wide receiver sets was the DK, Lewis, uh, Pauling, and Bell all on the field together. And this is going to be um, – and Williams as well. Don't forget about that guy. He's a beast. Pretty excited about what Mordecai and this offense can bring. I mean, pretty stoked up, Rhodes. You got your well, Wisconsin I mean, better hoodie on. You're talking about Tanner Mordecai, a guy that came from SMU that played at an air raid offense that threw for over 70 touchdowns in the last two seasons at SMU. You know, you got to figure that he's pretty good. Yeah. And now finally that he gets to showcase that on the type of stage that is the Big Ten playing against the Ohio State, Michigan's Penn State. It's going to be fun especially when Phil Longo runs the air raid offense. And it looks like Phil Longo and especially Luke Fickle have kind of energized the the program and energized not only the fan base, but the players in the program. Remember, a lot of these guys were like wishy-washy about maybe transferring out or, you know, I don't know about, you know, it's it's not right that Jim Leonard didn't get the job. Mm -hmm. And now this. They're pulling in great players. The guys that stayed there, which the overwhelming majority of guys did stay there. There wasn't a ton of guys that actually transferred out and left. They all seem to be liking it. They all seem to be having fun again. Yeah. Like everything seems to be on the upswing for Badger football. You can feel the energy and the vibe. Um, They had their practice uh, outside on Saturday. And some guys that stood out, according to our guy, Zach Heilprin, uh, Mordecai, also the other quarterback, Braden Locke, Keontas Lewis, Jimmy DK, 
Um, just come guys notable on offense, uh, really bringing it. And Zach was talking about this, how every practice, you know, you'll have the defense one day, then the offense the next day, but everyone just feeling the energy of this new look Badger football team. Can't wait. Gonna be really I think exciting. the interesting thing uh, from these, for, what, first five this practices or so, you look at uh, the guys that Zach talks about or that some of the beat writers have mentioned, I think the interesting one is Braden Locke. Yeah, because remember the they bring in all these quarterbacks, and you still had a couple of quarterbacks at the time sigging around from the old regime's team. But was it Cole Lacrue recruited by the old Cole regime? Cole Lacrue was recruited by Paul Chris, but he stayed and, yep. and came and played for Luke Fickle. Uh, you still had at the time Chase Wolf was here when they started bringing in the Braden Locks, the Nick Evers, the Tanner Mordecai's. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, I think he even had a couple more quarterbacks. But remember what I think this was ooh, months ago. Remember when we said, who do you think the starting quarterback will be for 2024? Because Mordecai is clearly just yeah. a one year stopgap grad transfer quarterback. He's yeah, good, the but guy. he's only here for one year. Yeah. Who is that second quarterback going to be? Is it going to be a Braden Locke? Who you know sat behind a Will Rogers last year at at uh, Mississippi State and came from an air raid? Was it going to be a Nick Evers who was kind of second or third at Oklahoma and mm-hmm. it was more of a spread offense, not necessarily an air raid? Is it going to be a former Badger that all of a sudden take or a, a guy that was already with the team yeah. that's going to take it? But from what I've seen, it seems like Braden Locke is kind of cementing himself as that number two. Yeah, Mordecai than Locke, and then. I don't, but it goes from there. Who knows? I'm, I wonder how many of these guys are going to stay. Like, well, Locke knows that if he wins the job, it's his job next year. Yeah, and he he has not. You, I believe he was a true freshman last year. So I mean, it's a guy that if he redshirted that year, he technically be a freshman this year, and you know he'd only be a sophomore. You have an opportunity to you know make some noise now, get that backup position, and be the dude the following year. I think if he wins the job, it's interesting to see what Nick Evers does. Yeah, totally. Or you know Lacrue, who's kind of like the <laughs> old regime he, guy. He was like before, like Chase Wolf transferred out. Cole Lacrue was probably like seventh on the depth chart. Yeah, now he's like, well, the regime that recruited me is no longer here. He's um, only moving up because guys are leaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yelly stringing together, as Rowdy said, and if you watch or listen, he's back. Nice day yesterday for Christian Yelich. Yeah. Is is Yelly this you have to do this in Sports Talk Radio, especially in Wisconsin. It you have to do it. Is Christian Yelich back? Call in 608-321-1670. No. <laughs> sure. We have to see sure appears so rowdy. He's back <laughs> yesterday, baby. He is if, risen. Now, if he continues to take the same approach that he took yesterday, where this is where his hits came from. Left field, left center, and dead center. Like that, those were where his hits came from. He is a left-handed hitter. That means he is taking everything back up the middle or to the opposite field. That is when Christian Yelich is at his best is when he's hitting the ball the other way. He's letting the baseball travel in on him and he's serving it out there. When you see Christian Yelich and some of his most pitiful at bats, it's when he's trying to pull the baseball and he weakly rolls over to second base or first base And that's the thing when he was in Miami and he was a great doubles hitter before he really started to change his launch angle the last couple of years in Miami, he was a great doubles hitter that hit it the other way. That's, that's like what he did. And then obviously when he started changing the launch angle and trying to hit home runs, he started pulling the ball a little bit more, started hitting home runs. And then it exploded in 18 and 19. And then even in 20, for playing two seasons and it was a very up and down year with his average. He still had a lot of pop and hit for a lot of power, but since 2021 that launch angle has went way down and he's hitting a ton of ground balls. And if he's going to do that to get back to the hitter that we hope he could be, or at least all-star level or borderline all-star level, he's got to start from where he's, you know, he's got to get back to the basics on where he started. He's got to continue to hit it up the middle or go to the opposite field. And yesterday we saw that and he had success. Were you yelling out advice from the stands? The yelling no. Rowdy? no? Damn I, I'm not a screamer at a game, but you know, there definitely was a guy farther down to my left that, uh, 
he loved everybody and and he was cheering for everybody and he had everything to say for you everyone. Hear me? Big stick. You could hear me down two sections over. Come on, kid. What do you say? Big stick. Big stick. One of those guys, Roddy. One of the, big every, stick. Every single player he had to to give it a little whoop. And you know he was you there. You got with, this, bud. He was there. Big stick. He was there with his family. It was like a wife and a couple of kids. Were they embarrassed? And they were probably under the ages of ten. But you know what? No, they were growing. They were growing up to be just like them because they were hooting and hollering too. And I'm like, you know what's the worst? When they turn on the let's get loud and it says, okay, now scream. Oh, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, how about this for some screams after the game? Now the Chiefs had the, so last year they had the ring the bell. I don't think there's the bell anymore. I think that it's left cheese head. It's the cheese head now. Yeah. Last year they had the bell. They'd ring the bell. Yeah. Something good happened. Now if you hit a home run, you get to wear the cheese head. Right. Remember we were. Uh, it was before the season oh. started. I played that clip of Willie Adamas. He didn't know his geography too well. Yeah. He, that's the day that he brought in the cheese head for everyone and was taking pictures with it. Yeah. And then it stuck. Like all right, this is going to be our new home run so, celebration. I will say they were selling cheese heads in the team shop. I don't know why they haven't been and, for since like the beginning well, of the time. Because the pa- Packers it's more of a Packer thing. Brewers. But like, so I had a buddy who went to uh, the home opener, and I was like, "Were these here when you came it on Monday?" He goes, here? "No." So oh, really, yeah. Within the, within since, the since the home opener, they've gotten cheese heads they've enough. Put cheese heads in the, in the for sale in the team shop. Well, so Christian Yelich got to wear the cheese head. We'll hear uh, from him, but. Uh, Yelly also, I don't know if you guys, when did you tap out? Did you see Yelly get the Gatorade bath? Um, we left right before the top of the ninth just to beat traffic. Yeah, that's what you got to do. But yeah. it's crazy now. Like, I left after the final out because I was dedicated to you're a real my fan. team for the whole game. He's a real yeah. fan. And you know what? Still it's got out quick? Still didn't take very long to get out. <laughs> well, we, was, we were worried a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't that full of a day. I believe there was 27,800 or so. Yeah. So what happened with you, RJ? Oh, it squirted, just squirted right out. And then what? Made it home. Oh, that's good. Oh, actually, no. We stopped at uh, Curly's Waterfront. I went home. Down in Pewaukee. Because uh, I went with Pete Fix. Yeah. Go, our guy Pete. Did he make... Uh, he had, a, he had a, a friend who bartends there, so we just stopped for one and then made our way back to Madison. Hell yeah. Did yeah. Pete make any uh, Bloody Marys before the game? No. Good bloody Mary maker. No, yes. After the game, though, uh, it was uh, Willie Adamas, or I'm sorry, Willie Adamas. It was Willie Adamas who brought the Gatorade and gave Christian Yelich a bath. But who got crossed in the cro- uh, who got caught in the crossfire? I mean, most of it hit for the first Sophia. time of the season was Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Christian, first homer of the season. A couple opposite field hits as well. How are you able to lock in that approach today? Oh, uh, you know, just you Here keep comes. going, keep battling. And- <laughs> <laughs> Sophia. <laughs> like, not going to lie. But in the background, Yelich perfectly blocked her view. Normally, she gets out of the way. Yeah, she is so head yeah. to toe. First Gatorade bath from Willie, but yeah. Christian, you know, for you guys to bounce back after getting shut out. And if you watch the video, so... Willie Adamas comes up with a Gatorade, but sneaking right behind Willie Adamas is Jesse Winker. Yeah. So right when Adamas dumps it on Christian Yelich and Sophia Minnert, as Willie Adamas is taking the Gatorade back down and stepping back, Jesse Winker comes out of nowhere and dumps his all over Willie Adamas in the background. <laughs> Here's more from Yelly. Last night, you had a great day at the plate. Willie had a great day at the plate as well. What went into the approach today? Oh, uh, you know, they did a good job on us last night, you know, um, pitched really well, shut us down, really executed, and that's baseball, it happens sometimes, you got to tip your cap, and um, today we um, just came out and battled, tried to put, uh, get our bats together and pass the baton, and we were able to do it. The bullpen has been great, Freddie Peralta, another quality start, but the bullpen has now gone 23 and a third, scoreless innings, how good have they been shutting down games for you guys? Yeah, they're just trying to execute, pass the baton, um, you know, pick each other up. You know, Hobie came in, uh, made some great pitches there. Guys have a jam in the eighth, and um, those guys have been huge for us. You've won all three series so far. How, what do you like about how this team is coming together right now? We're just together. You know, everybody has each other's back, somebody different every day, and it's just been a lot of fun to be a part of. You know, it's a good first three series, and we've got a long way to go. All right, thanks, Christian, for the time. Sophia's just, just drenched with blue Gatorade. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, uh, bullpen's been lights out. Everyone's stepping up. Uh, we'll hear from Craig Council coming up. I mean, Council's talking about how literally front of the order's doing it, back of the order's doing it, middle of the order's doing it. This Brewers team is just hot. Not as hot, though, as, uh, what is it? Uh, is it the Padres are the hottest? 
No, the Rays. The Rays, the Rays have not lost this year. Are they eight and zero or nine and zero? One of the nine. other nine and oh, Jesus. I mean, they're they, good. They still are on the quest for one sixty two and zero. Yeah, usually that that dies fast, but nope. They're still nope. their fan base can still tweet that out with confidence right now. Let's go, baby! Hell of a day yesterday for the Milwaukee Brewers. They have yet to lose a series. Knock on wood. As they have moved to seven and two on the year, Willie Adamas three of four with a dinger, a double, and a three RBI day, and the Brewers took on the Cardinals six to one. Also, Rowdy, we had a, let's see here, Christian Yelich with his donger. Is he back? And Rowdy Telez, a big old double. That bullpen, though, is that the biggest surprise? The bull, is 100%. it the rookies or the bullpen? I would say it's the bullpen. 23 like, and a third scoreless innings. When you break the two down, obviously Joey Weimer, obviously Bryce Terang, and Garrett Mitchell, they were all top 100, 100 prospects in Major League Baseball in the last couple of years. Oh, like, the Brewers have the number one prospect now in the, yes, in the majors. Uh, Jackson Cheerio yeah. graduated to number one, but Weimer, Terang, and Mitchell all in the past two years have spent time in the top 100. Like they're they were known to be good prospects. They were highly rated. Yeah. Now again, prospects aren't everything. If every great prospect turned into a great major league baseball player, we'd have a ton of great big league players. Yeah. But oh, yeah. but that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Most of them fail. But they were highly regarded. This bullpen. Question there's a marks. lot of no namers. There's a lot of guys that have only spent parts of seasons or have had like maybe one full year well, in the big uh, leagues. Let's go down to what happened yesterday. Uh, Stress Lecky comes in. He's been really good. And he like, he's once he got in the majors, like he's been lights out this year. So Stress Lecky's been crushing it, right? Well, you came into this season, Stress Lecky threw, it was, last year was basically his rookie year. Yeah. He threw the ball quite well, but you have to remember, he threw the ball quite well in low leverage situations. He wasn't Josh Hader. He wasn't Brad Boxberger. He wasn't Devin Williams. He wasn't even Matt Bush or some of these other guys later in the year that kind of filled those roles. He was a low leverage guy. Now they're asking him to be a high leverage seventh inning man like a Boxberger from last year. He's, he's still been lights out. Yeah, he's been great. And the next after Strzelecki yesterday it was Matt F. and Bush. Now, Matt Bush, well, we got him last year. And this was a guy that was uh, in and out of prison. He also, he wasn't in the California Penal League like Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. He was in the Florida Penal League. I don't know how much he played, but he was a, a fresher arm for an older guy because he was in prison. But yeah, he's and he, been pretty good too. He was able to kind of dance around some trouble yesterday and got out of that inning scoreless. Uh, he's danced around a little bit of trouble this young he season. He has. But overall, I mean, Strezlecki, Bush, you brought them both up. Their ERAs are zero. Yeah, zeros. And then next up for a zero ERA, Holby Milner, who pitched yesterday. But that, like, that's the other thing with Bush, right? It's. He's had a lot of ups and downs in his career. He's he's had a lot of crazy things where it's like, man, now you got to rely on a guy like that. Yeah, he fought some dude, He fought a bouncer at a strip club when he went on stage. He wasn't supposed to be on stage, by the way. <laughs> Hobie Milner, <laughs> that's another guy. He's coming off of a career year last year as a lefty. You would see him before all the, like the rule changes where it's like, hey, you must throw to at least three batters unless you're ending an inning. Yeah. Blah blah blah. He was seen as like a lefty specialist earlier in his career because he reached the big leagues in like 2017. But that's the thing. He's only put in like one or two full years at the major league level. And it just so happens they were the last couple of years and last year was his best year. Yeah. But now all of a sudden he's on this, uh, he's in this uh, bullpen and he's supposed to be one of your, you know, top probably four or so relief pitchers. He's bringing it. He's only been in the bigs consistently for two years. Yeah. And then also getting the closing it out last night or yesterday was Devin Williams. His ERA also sits at zero. You haven't seen much of Devin Williams, but when you have, I mean, again, his ERA is zero. So clearly if you just read down the box score, Freddie Peralta, his ERA sits at, 0.75 for the season, and everybody else that we had just named are all zeros. Zeros. 23 and a third scoreless innings for the bullpen. And that's why I was, was saying earlier in the show, like when we talked about the bullpen, it was a lot of question marks because of the inexperience. Not that they didn't have talent, but it's because they didn't consistently do it at the major league level, or they were young, or they've had ups and downs in their careers. And that's everybody not named Devin Williams. 
Yeah, and think about this. Yeah, sorry. Well, the crazy part is when you look at their bullpen statistics, now granted, we're through what? About a week and a half of the season. So it's an extremely small sample size for the sport of baseball that plays 162 games. Um, Their bullpen ranks number one in Major League Baseball when it comes to ERA and number three when it comes to whip, which is walks and hits per innings pitch. They are good. That's not something I don't think anyone saw coming. No. And then, Rowdy, also, again, your worst starter. Now, Saturday for the Brewers, uh, a little blemish. You knew they weren't going to be able to, you know, win every single game besides the uh, opening day that they fell. Uh, They did get, you know, lose to the Cardinals. But, again, can we still say that your worst starting pitcher right now is Corbin Burns? Yeah, it's it really has been. You could make the argument Lauer or Burns, but I would say just because of ability and level and expectations, it's it's Ben Corbin Burns, and he's your Cy Young Award winner. He's your ace. He's your number one, <laughs> and he's been the worst. And uh, what did they lose on? Was it six nothing? They lost on. Saturday? Yeah, Lauer got touched up early, but he settled down after the first couple yeah. innings. And then again, Freddie Peralta yesterday was just. Awesome. The dude's a baller. 0.75 ERA. Uh, how was the site in your first foray into American Family Field this season? How was it? Yeah, this, this was the first game for me this year and the first game that I've been to since, I believe, late August of last season when they were playing the Cubs. Um, it was kind of a sparse crowd. I think they said there was almost 28,000 there, but it was obviously Easter. Yeah. And uh, let's see here. Oh, they said attendance was 27,701 people. There's th- that's just paid tickets though. Yeah, and it was pretty sparse. Normally if you go to like a Saturday game against the Cubs or just like a decent matchup or like a Sunday game where they have some big event, it's pretty packed. Yeah. I would say it was I mean, that makes sense. 27,000 plus. What does it hold normally? Like forty-five ish thousand as a sellout. Forty-two. I would say it was probably about half full. Yeah, I would. I would be convinced if you told me there was twenty thousand. Yeah, a little Easter at the ballpark. Hey, nice getting out though. Oh, hardly, dude, ha- hardly had to sit and wait. Beautiful day. Um, yeah, there, it, that's nice when it's not completely full, so you can get in and out of the parking lot easier. I would actually easier. say, like the the beer lines or the concession lines for what I saw, also weren't that bad. Well, that's good. Um, who had this on their bingo card? Looking at the NL Central, the Brewers 7-2 first place. The Pirates are 6-3. and three. The Reds and Chicago, uh, the Cubs, both 4-4. Four and four. And the St. Louis Cardinals sit at the bottom at 3-6. and six. Who would have thunk that? I mean, no, it's, it's well, nine games in. but We so. have to take into consideration who these teams have played. The Cardinals, their nine games have been against the Brewers the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, it's tough. Atlanta is seen as the favorite to win the NL East. Toronto was the favorite to win the AL East. And Milwaukee was, you know, neck and neck with them to win the NL Central. So they've played some some of the better teams in baseball in nine games, and they're three and six. Mm -hmm. Now, the Pirates... I don't care who they play. They weren't expected to be there. But that's why they say, right, at the beginning of every Major League Baseball season, every fan base believes that they can win the World Series. Now, I think when we look up after 162 games, it'll be the Pirates and the Reds fighting for last. But for now, they're competitive. The Pirates lost their shortstop to um, O'Neill Cruz, that really like 6'7", 6'8", guy. He broke his ankle. I don't know if you saw that over the weekend. He, he busted his ankle. He's out indefinitely after a collision at home plate in their uh, in their one nothing victory over the White Sox. So he was attempting to score from third on a chopper, and then his leg bent awkwardly underneath him while he's attempting to slide, and turns out, out indefinitely, the thing's broken. Dude, 6'7". Writhing around in pain, and the benches and bullpens are briefly cleared after uh, the DH Carlos Santana, not the guitar player, appeared to take exception to some behavior. So there's a little Donnybrook going on a little bit, but yeah, that's that's a blow for uh, um, the Pirates who've had any hope of doing anything. As well, that's not to sound bad, but that's kind of good for the Brewers because the Brewers rowdy when O'Neill Cruz would face him, the Brewers would face him last year. He made him look like Babe Ruth out there. I mean, I wouldn't even go that far to say it's good for the Brewers. It's the Pirates aren't going to be there at the end of the year. No. That's just unfortunate. They just always the made that guy look like he was the second coming of Babe Ruth. 
Yeah. Last year, anyways. Last different. year in a small sample. But yeah, it was pretty funny when he'd hit like nearly 400 against the Brewers <laughs> and then 200 against everyone else. Six, seven, uh, big, big, tall, slim guy out there. Yep. Brewers, uh, now they go out west. They're in Arizona tonight to take on the Diamondbacks. First pitch is 8 10 or 840. It's, it's a late one. Uh, Brewers, Diamondbacks, 8 Jesus. 840 tonight. Then 8.40 again tomorrow, and then they uh, have a little afternoon foray at 2.40. We were talking about this last week when I said, you know, I always uh, make sure I I know when those late night West Coast games are so we can uh, plan accordingly. Yeah. (laughs) We get seven out of the ten late night. And now for us, I'm talking Monday through Thursday because Friday night, Saturday, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's the weekend. In. You can sleep in. You can do whatever you want. But Monday through Thursday, seven out of those ten late night West Coast games. Come on, we man. get them out of the way in the first month of the season. At least there's that. But and then we don't have to. We don't have to stay up late again once we get past uh, the first week of May until late August. It does get a little tough. That's pretty late. <laughs> Freaking eight forty at night. I'll enjoy it out there, Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, and how are the D-backs? The D-backs now, are... I know this didn't hold up last year, but remember just in general with the Brewers under Craig Council for the longest time until about, I think, 2021, mm-hmm. they would not only did you have to stay up super late, but they struggled to win games on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, Diamondbacks are 6-4. and four. They're uh, tied for first with the Padres in the NL West. So Dodgers 5-5, five and five, Giants 4-5, and five, Rockies 4-6, and six, again, early. But D-backs, uh, what's the outlook on the D-backs this coming year, Rowdy? I mean, the D-backs have some young up-and-coming players. They're not really expected to contend. Obviously, when you look at the uh, the NL West, you're looking at the Dodgers, and that's the Dodgers are front and center, right? But you look around there, it's, it's Dodgers 1. San Diego Padres are making a lot of waves, spending a lot of money, uh, bringing in some big-time players. Padres would be 2. I would say that Colorado is definitely the worst team in that division, and it'll be like San Fran and Arizona fighting for third. Yeah. I would say a, a good year from the Arizona Diamondbacks would be kind of like what the Cubs would be in the NL Central. Gotcha. All right, get ready. Strap in. 840 tonight. First pitch. Hello, friends, and welcome to a Monday edition of Over the Line. We hope you had a great Easter. Got your fill of ham, some great desserts, and the Easter Bunny treated you nice. The Masters, a marathon at Augusta. Azalea's in full bloom. Weather, touch and go. A couple people almost got killed by a tree that fell. But John Rahm would come out victorious. Some call him a dark horse. Others say, how can you be a dark horse when you're... Number two in the world. Number two in the world. and Third favorite to win. Third favorite to win. And in uh, the second most ever money in a single season for PGA. But I digress. Some call you a dark horse. Others just say you're one of the favorites. John Rahm wins. Brooks Kepka chokes. And the green jacket is put on with the sultry tones of Jim Nance. Rowdy. Good time at the Masters. The shot, the moment... Where Rambo knew he did it. It was a chip onto the greens and a little like this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Some major style points. (laughs) He's smiling ear to ear. Now he knows he's got it. He's walking up there. The crowd's going bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Got the hat off. They're cheering. You hear it. Doing a little tip. Galleries losing their minds in between bites of pimento cheese sandwiches. And then he gets up there, Rowdy, and what does he do? Sunrise to sunset. Yeah, let me do From sunrise to sunset. Rom wins the yep. Masters Marathon. There it is. And there it is. Well, Rowdy, you, uh, you're sniffing that one out over the razor's edge. Well, I would have said that 
I feel like John Rom knew it was in the book, like in the bag, when Kepka missed the par on the 17th hole Oof. and dropped another shot. I think, I think the writing was on the wall there that there was no hope for Kepka. Yeah. Once he hit that chip up onto the green um, for a little, God, it wasn't even that long of a putt. He was feeling himself. John Rom gets his green jacket, and it was uh, a hell of a time at the Masters. Uh, the craziest thing about it all, I think, was the tree that fell and almost killed a couple people. That was <laughs> uh, not good. And then afterwards, here's uh, Rambo doing a little talk. Zach Ertz is one of the reasons why uh, uh, he was jinxed to start. For those people who believe in, in jinxing other players, people, and whatever it may be, Thursday morning when I was on my go- on getting on the golf cart to get to this putting green 10 minutes before my tee time, I saw a text from a good friend of mine, and I'm going to name him because he is a Super Bowl winning champion, Zach Ertz. Um, he, he said the text, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here, but he said, that first green looking like a walk in the park or something like that right now, 10 minutes before I four-putted to start the tournament. <laughs> So, thank you, Zach. <laughs> Don't ever do that again, please. <laughs> so there you go, Zach Ertz, um, jinxing him there to get it, and then the dude storms. Another part of the story, Phil Mickelson was crazy on Sunday. Uh, we were talking, we love the villain that is Phil Mickelson with the all black. He's He was bringing dude, it on Sunday. I love the villain. It's, it's LeBron in Miami, and the fact that... You know, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz about Phil Mickelson. There was all the media was like, oh, Phil didn't really say anything at the Masters dinner. Or, you know, there was a lot of fans that were all hush hush when Phil Mickelson. It's not the cheers you normally hear to see him jolting up that leaderboard and finishing technically tied for second. Man, you know, if there was going to be like somebody to fall apart, like Brooks Kepka kind of did, it would have been funnier if John Rahm also would have fallen apart and we get like this Mickelson Kepka Rahm playoff, that would have been wild. Yeah. That would have been crazy. Just because it's so funny to me that everyone used to like lefty and tiger woods when they had that big rivalry, you know, in the nineties, the two thousands, the two thousand tens. And then all of a sudden this live stuff happens and then everybody hates Phil Mickelson and he's the villain. Yeah. And- it's like <laughs> you literally liked him two years ago. No, <laughs> Speaking of that, we'll say how to Ben in a second. Uh, line one, good morning. Who's this? Oh, yeah, it's Hawkeye. Hey, Hawkeye. Speaking of golf, there he is. What's up, Hawkeye? You, you haven't really lived until you four-putted it, so my, <laughs> my fellow golfers that are out there know know exactly what I'm talking about. So um, it was pretty cool to see Phil, you know, represent. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, he was not welcome there last year. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's still welcome there this year. I think they're still hacked off, so. Yeah, but I mean, I you know, I call that the takeaway, like in sales, right? It's like, you know, I mean, his 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 willingness and desire to be there this year was was heightened by the fact that he wasn't there last year. A um, couple things I saw that were really cool. I saw a meme today that was on Facebook of Greg Norman with a power saw, <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic. And then, and then you know, the, I thought the coolest news over the weekend was um, the coolest week news over the weekend was when Fred Ridley talked about when it's in the game, it's in the game about the road uh, to the masters about how they're going to bring back, uh, you know, I'd say about like eight or nine years ago, they did a special edition masters game, which I still have it was the tiger woods masters. It was the only way you could really play Augusta, right. Yeah. As a video game. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're going to, they're going to do that again. So that'll, Sick. that'll be pretty cool. And, and, and I mean, again, if EA sports is doing it, 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 it'll be right. Yeah. So, Hawkeye, since you're the um, golf, you're a big golf guy. How about the fact that Tiger Woods tied Freddie Couples uh, 23 straight Masters cuts and he was limping around, did not look good. Who, who would have even thought that he would have made it, you know, not only to make the cut, but making it into the, I guess, the third day before he withdrew. And how about Freddie Couples? who had his record tied, but how about Freddie Couples being the oldest guy to ever make the cut at the Masters, almost 64 years old? Well, you're starting to see more and more of that, and I think that's going to be the trend in the future because let's look let's look back now and think back about 10, 15 years ago, right, when the trend started with Tiger and Rory and, and now Kepka and all these guys where they're and, – and even John Rahm, a lot of people don't realize that Scheffler and John Rahm used the TPI system through Titleist. 
to train and to, to, to be better. So you're going to see guys like Jerry Kelly, who uh, did really well at the TPC at Sawgrass this year. You're going to see these guys, they're going to be able to compete longer, and they're going to be in the mix. Phil, now Tiger with a leg injury is going to be you know, probably out of that mix, but some of these guys that are coming up, that are in good shape should be able to play well into their fifties. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, that might be more disturbing than Vince McMahon's new mustache. I, I don't know. Like I kind of like that look. He's like, I kind of like that look on Vince McMahon, you know, he looks like, he looks like, like a Baron or like some porn director. I can't yeah. figure out if he's, if, which one it is, or maybe a combination. Well, he's, a, he's a Baron. That's a porn director. You know what he should do is he should play the role of, uh, what was that guy's name? That was in the HBO series that ran the bunny ranch. The guy that died. Oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. That what the hell's his name? F- I know who you're talking like about. I don't remember his name. Like the perfect role for him. I mean, especially with all the uh, all the trouble that he had at WWE, yeah. WWE, oh. and WWF with the hush money that he paid the ladies that he, yeah. you know. Well, he looks like a guy who's trying to like move. Like he's trying to like escape to Mexico or somewhere, and he's like just trying to blend in. Like with all the money he's getting from the Saudis. Well, the big news was that this one. This kind of got brushed under the carpet. Nobody really talked about it. You guys might have talked about it, but the whole merging with the UFC and everything like that. It yeah. was really kind of hush-hush. Yeah, they got, how much were they get, $8 billion, was it 8-something billion dollars? It was something absurd, something crazy. And now they yeah, made man, like I crossover like to, events. I'd like to be able to go back in a time machine, right? Back when, Attitude on the USA Network, when they used to have the Kung Fu Theater. Oh, dude. And the WWE, and I'd like to go in and be able to buy some of that stock at like about $4 a stock back before... You know, we knew that social media was going to be, you know, what it is now. I don't even need to be rich, Hawkeye. I just want to go back and relive the 90s WWE Attitude Era. Like, I, <laughs> Well, you know, music, you know you're right. The Attitude Era was the best with Triple H and Degeneration Bro. X and everything like that. But I will tell you, because you know I'm a music guy, right? And, yeah. so, and, and a professional DJ. So I was just reminiscing the other day about how, like, you know, if you look at the 70s, like, 70s had great music, Casey and the Sunshine Band, and go on and on, ABBA, yada, yada, 80s. <laughs> Some of the best music, period, right? But the 90s kind of gets overshadowed other than, you know, when you start talking about alternative rock and everything like that. But there was some really, really good dance music and some good stuff that was made in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Man, I was just the other day, I was getting nostalgic. I was like, man, there's some well, good I think music. It, I think it goes like how, I think it goes how like drugs kind of go. Like you look at the 70s, it's all like fast and upbeat and tempo. That's a bunch of cocaine. Then you get to the 80s, start so getting a little, you know, a little different, a little, uh, little, some blow in there, right? And then you get a little meth, I think, making its emergence. And then the 90s is when you get a little heroin. That's everything gets a little depressing. And then cocaine comes back. And then you get like all this like Molly and stuff. And then everything gets all clubby. I think it just goes how the drugs go. You got to look at it that way. I'm just more worried about the wussification of America. Hell right? yeah. You talked about the attitude era, right? Hell like yeah. Like these guys now, nobody can take a bump. Nobody can, oh, like, wait, we got to stop the game. We got to, we, and, and this is the thing. You can't even have chew in your mouth when you're playing baseball. Listen, listen. I'm a, I'm a hardcore better, and I'm all about wanting to get it right. But when you kill the momentum of the game, and you keep stopping it and going to the replay, and you keep, I'm just, it's, it's killing me, Smalls. It's killing me. <laughs> okay, you the man. Hey, did you? Um, we were talking about trying to get into the Masters with ticket prices and whatnot. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I remember you got totally uh, screwed over with the um, with the lottery system. Did you ended up you ended up winning that though? Did you get into? Didn't you get into a tournament? No, so no. So that was the whole that was the whole PGA and the whole thing with the Ryder Cup thing where. Yeah, a bunch of people, I was on, on there for like seven hours or whatever, <laughs> had my tickets promised to me or whatever, and then got kicked off. Mm-hmm. And and so then I contacted I contacted the PGA. They blew me off. I drove up there, up to Sheboygan, <laughs> talked to them at their office. They blew, they blew me off. And so anyway, I ended up getting some aftermarket tickets. Oh, but that's what it was. It, yeah, but I went to the – I actually went to the Masters, and I, 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 I flew down, didn't have tickets, and just winged it and tried to, you know – figure out how all that works and i will tell you that um you can pull it off i i, I did <laughs> you can pull it off <laughs> i love no, it you dude. just gotta have money right i mean a, a practice round ticket will cost you anywhere between 300 to 700 dollars, right yeah. and if you want to go to one of the the rounds on thursday friday saturday sunday you're looking at about a grand a grand a day damn so hey, at least the cheese sandwiches are a dollar fifty you know so yeah and that's you know those prices haven't changed i i had a cheese fermented cheese sandwich Egg salad sandwich. I had the barbecue pork. I had lemonade, and I had a bag of chips. It was ten dollars and twenty three cents. Beautiful. Just cost you a grand plus to get in. <laughs> well, 
Well, the best part is you want to save all your money. You want to save all your money for the pro shop. And so when yeah. I was there last year, I dropped 1400 bucks in the pro shop. Jesus. Well, you can only get it there, right? So. Well, I got a master's glove. I got a master's backpack. I got like four hats. I yeah. got shirts, pullover. Well, I mean, you know, masters. You got your master's the whole nine. You got your master's thong. I get Bags, it. Dude. Yeah. Balls, teas, a bowl of soup. You Banana know, hammock. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Okay. Burger. Okay, you're the man, brother. Good stuff as always. See you, buddy. See you. Okay. Good stuff at Mister Golf. Speaking of golf, Ben Kenny. Good morning. What's up, gentlemen? How we doing today, brother? Very good. Good Sunday. Um, how was the Fun golf Sunday? You went golfing Saturday. I, I did, and yeah. you. So, all right. So, I get a text from Ben Kenny. So, our sister station here for affiliates out there. We have a sister station, ninety four one WJJO. It's a hard rock station. They have uh, Johnny Danger, who's the morning show host, uh, and D Biatch is his partner. And then Lance Martinez will jump in once in a while. Lance is an awesome guy. So, you're out golfing, and I get a text that did you get randomly paired up with Johnny Danger and Lance? Yeah. How'd that happen? So, I, do you I, even know? By the way, they're like the studio that we're in. Right behind me where I sit is the JJO studio. So we're literally a, 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 a wall separates us, but I don't know if you've ever really talked to them or even know them. I had not met either of them previously. Which is wild because we're all in the same building. But So I've, well, I've seen Johnny around, yeah. and I, I have known who he is. And, yeah, I had a 9.06 tea time. I get out there. It was one of the first tea times. It was super Where'd you empty. Go? I was at Oaks. Oaks, Oaks. Okay, that's, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and I, I sign in, I go to the, go to the bar to get a bottle of water and, and there's I, danger probably at the bar getting a yeah, beer. They're, they're sitting there indulging and <laughs> of course. we get to the first tee. I, I didn't know. And then finally I placed it. And so you, you guys, was funny. Are you guys together in a group? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was us. Uh, it was me, them two. And then one other guy that they were friends with. So how how long did it take then for you guys to realize that you both work in the same building and the same company and literally we were on the first take. a wall separates you? Yeah, we were on the first take. <laughs> so you had no idea at first? No. How did it all unfold? I, I, I was just like, hey, do you uh do you do mornings with JJO? <laughs> and, and then I thought I thought he thought that I was a listener, which oh, I don't know if he put it on his what did he put on his act or something? Well well I don't know if I'm the target demo. Yeah. Generally speaking. Um I was like, Oh yeah, I I work for the zone. Uh, we are we are in adjacent rooms. <laughs> what did he say? He's like no way. <laughs> Same with Lance. But yeah, it was a great round of golf. It was well, fun. It was a lot of fun. Danger's pretty good at golf too. Oh yeah. I don't know. I assume Lance is better at drinking than he is golf. But was Lance any good? I assume not. It was fine. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun though. That's good. Yeah, I mean Lance and Danger. I mean, it's not are good like guys. I'm that good, you know. No, Danger's so. really good. Danger's actually really good at golf. First time my I, experiences, anyways. First time I ever met Lance was actually right out front of the building, and he asked me if I worked here as I was walking into the building for work. <laughs> Did you ask them the same thing? Like I was going to ask you the same thing. Like, Do you work it's, here? It's five forty-five in the morning, and we're <laughs> the only here? two in the front of the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we both work here. That's <laughs> um, not the not the first time Rudy's asked if he's worked here before. Another time he was in our office eating. In the office eating lunch. Hey, what do you do here? <laughs> I, I just come here to eat lunch. I love the view. What were you going to say? We man? don't have a view from our office. I was just going to note that it, uh, it was a really do? fun Sunday of golf viewing as well for those that did it. I uh, I ended up getting up early because they restarted the third round at 730. It was a marathon. Yeah. So I ended up watching most of it. It was. Did John, John Rom win it or did Brooks Kepka choke it away? John Rom won it. Yeah, totally. He played exactly how you're supposed to play at that course to hold a lead. That's how Tiger wins, is playing like John Rom played. Just, how about Tiger? It had to withdraw, but how about Tiger making it? Oh, he looked like in so much pain. What was it? Reaggravated? Yeah, plantar fasciitis. Saturday. Well, the problem with him is that when the weather gets bad, it gets cold and rainy. It just it, it hurts oh, him so. This bad. was him walking around. Yeah, he's like crippled. It was it was hard to watch. So he, shout out to him for making the cut. When's he gonna get an exemption like John Daly so he can get a cart? He said once he, he won't puts play on eighty pounds. <laughs> no, he said he won't play if he can't walk. What? That's the competitive. Like he could take a cart in PGA Tour events. He's like, no, I'm not playing unless I can. What's walk the big badge of honor of that? Like that's just who he is, man. I I mean, he was also. Like fall. that's my favorite. That's my worst. That's the thing I hate most about golf is walking it's to my like, ball. I enjoyed it. I actually well, well Johnny me a and cart. Lance were in a in a cart on Saturday. I walked. Well, the one unfortunate amazed. thing about Tiger Woods in that situation is that a lot of his injuries, like his lower body knee injuries, 
are all from himself. From a car accident. Like, like yeah. are self-induced with whether it be a car accident or, uh, you know, the wife is incident or a lot of his back and other previous leg injuries stem from him being super into, like, Navy SEAL training and training with SEALs. Like, normal people don't train with SEALs for a reason. And SEALs don't have a long shelf life for a reason. It's hard. Yeah. Oh, just give me the cart. <laughs> yeah, give, give me the cart. Or <laughs> could we cart. imagine if, if Tiger Woods grew his hair out, maybe started smoking a lot of cigarettes and drinking a lot of booze and put on like 80 pounds? You talking about John Daly? Yeah, he he's, he does his best John Daly impersonation. John Daly's got hair, though. Tiger Woods, I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah. going to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tiger's losing it on top. And Ben, how? okay, let me ask you this before we hit break. This didn't happen to you like it did in the Masters, did it? You did, almost didn't get crushed by a tree falling down, did you? No. That, no, was, that was crazy. No, I know it's the oaks. There's not many trees in the middle of the... There's a couple, but... Yeah, it isn't. A, it not, definitely not as, as tree-heavy. That um, video was wild. That was insane. Like, the the one dude, like, two of the giant branches, like, literally, he, like, went between them. He between. missed them. And it was just a it pure... It was nuts. That's just a, a pure bounce of the ball, whether it hits you or not, which is, that was insane. It's yeah. amazing how many people Augusta employs to only work on trees. Because they had, they had like 30 dudes out there within 10 minutes. Oh, cutting, yeah. Cutting it down, testing the other trees, cutting one other tree down that got damaged. What they need to do is come over to my house because I had a tree fall. I got to finish with my chainsaw. Anyways. Oh, glad you had fun of Danger and Lance. Yeah. <laughs> Who won? Danger? I think so overall. Yeah. That uh, clear third. I hit the ball pretty well. You said you were third? In the group. Well, who was the other guy? The second guy was pretty good. Oh, he's just rando? Well, friends of them. Oh, okay, gotcha. I'll have to ask Danger how you did. Let's get a full report. <laughs> I just asked Lance. Lance's probably too drunk to remember, though. John Ye Midwest. He just messed with me. He goes, Phil Mickelson is such an effing loser. <laughs> That's a sentiment for a lot of people. That feels such an effing loser. Can I say a word about Phil Mickelson? Yeah, totally. You can say whatever you want. I mean, number oh, one, that's the word. It, is, it was sick to watch him uh, just blitz the field in a black T-shirt and high flyers quarter zip and gas station sunglasses. Was, I love his attire. It was hilarious. I love the Do look you of watch, him. watch, um, have you seen Narcos Mexico? Yes. He is the pilot. I forget the guy's name, but he dresses like the pilot. Oh, the lion? I, for, I, I forget I what, what his name him. is. He looks like a dude who's laying, who's like got a ton of blow, like a bunch of kilos of cocaine. He's ready to move them. A lot of, lot of alternative health products, like, <laughs> like, like green water that gives him whatever. He looks re- like, like an upscale cocaine dealer. People were having fun at what his champion's dinner would be next year. It would just be like green tea <laughs> or something. But listen, I've made it clear. I have been very out on him, generally speaking, over the last couple years and all that's happened. However, yesterday, I was so in on whatever whatever in the world that was. It was sick. It was, was cool. one of the more unexpected, <sighs> incredible things I've ever seen in sports. He's he He has not played good golf anywhere in two years. So and then he comes out and shoots what? 65, 66. He, was, he had the lowest score on Sunday. He was incredible. Clearly it was, it was unbelievable. And that was after making some sloppy, sloppy bogeys the day before. Clearly I was invested in certain guys more than others, just based on some bets that we threw down. But you know who I was like really cheering for not one particular person in general outside of the bets, but I wanted to see the live guys win because then they they're automatically into the masters for the rest of their life. Yeah. As we know that a lot of these live guys are going to fall out of the top 50 rankings. And I was looking, you know, how do you qualify for the masters? And obviously you have a lifetime pass if you're a champion, but outside of being top 50 in the world and a lot of the amateur, it's basically if you've won a major in the last five years or if you've won the players in the last three years or if you finished in the top, I think it was like 12, 12 of the majors in the last three years. Of the masters. Uh, I think there was also major stipulations too. Top top four in the PGA gets in, And I think. A lot of those guys after this year aren't going to be able to do it. And then 
majority of them are for sure going to be out in the next three to five years. But I want to see as many live guys as possible qualifying and winning just because that keeps them in the tournament. And clearly the PGA doesn't want them there. And it's, yeah, it's a little chaos and it's a lot of uh, friction between the two. And it makes for entertainment and drama. I'll tell you this. Since the live, I've been more like invested in interested in golf just of the drama of it all i don't know i haven't i've watched one live event it was the first one right here's i haven't watched the, since here's what's on the cw <laughs> well jim nance with a epic drive-by on kepka walking up to 15 yesterday morning he, he hit his ball onto the crosswalk and jim nance goes oh look he's on the cw <laughs> the crosswalk who's else trying to get in the cw jim nance was on one jim nance was bringing it but oh. i what, it wasn't some college football conference wanted to get in the CW. Oh, was it the, the Pac-12? Big, big I 12. I th- really? Big 12. Yeah, I, th- I, th- yeah I think it was the Big 12 wants to be in the CW now Oof. with Liv. Oof. Anyways, um, Ben, um, sorry, continue. Well, the shame of all of it for me is that it's it's clear from yesterday that all those guys can still be competitive, at least at a place they've had success with Kepka and Reed and, and Mickelson. Yeah. The shame of it is, yeah, I like I love watching Phil play golf when he's playing well. You just don't see him play well against other people ever. That's the shame of it because them playing well, and, and I heard this point made, it, and I agree with it completely. Them playing well does not make me want to go watch live because it's still a bad, like I have trouble like, watching. Just the, bro- the production itself sucks. Exactly. The product on television is hard to watch. You yeah. know what it looks like? It looks like it a suck. a high school video production type production. Yeah, it looks like something I would make in a college class. Yeah, oh, and by the way, it's the it is the Pac twelve. Oh, Pac twelve wants to be in CW. Yeah. Wow. But like, I was thrilled to watch all those guys make runs. It just I I think it makes it more sad what's gone on because we see that they're still able to comp- to play this great golf. Yet they're on another tour, and most of them just play like crap every week. Cause, well, because I don't think they take that seriously. Well, they got their bag over. They got I, their bag. Exactly, I think which which sucks as a viewer. That's, watching, that's just where I'm at. Watching some of these guys like Brooks Kepka and the way that they've answered questions and saying things, and you can like Brooks Kepka or, or not. I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. Um, Brooksy, he's a guy that in his career has kind of been all or nothing. Like he's in the mix to win it. Or he's sucked. Like, that's kind of how he's been. And then the last few years that we saw him, what, 19, 20, you know, the last few years, he was injured and he wasn't playing well and he wasn't good. And then he was, you know, kind of a head case. He took to the live because he took the money so he could still make a lot more money than what he would have made. And he didn't have to play the schedule so he could get healthy doing it because I think he had a bad knee or whatever it was, but he did it. You know, he made more money. He got healthy. He came back to the masters. He got second place and was leading for the majority of the, of the tournament. Like in my opinion, that justifies everything that Brooks Kepka said about why he went to the live. It makes sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. He didn't have to play as much. He made more money. He's healthy again. He's starting to feel good. Like, I think he made the right decision, whether it, you know. And, well, he also got married, and he, it looks like he wants to show off his wife everywhere on some awesome vacations. So he needs to afford well, that, too. You know, because of that. And I'll say, if you watch the full swing, when she had, the, when she had the comment of, you know, when I first met Brooks, he was winning everything, but now he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed like the relationship was on the rocks. And then he and, went to the live. And and the uh, fiancé needed some cash. Let's just say that he's doing something right. Yes, Ben? The problem with, with the schedule thing is they have three events before the next major. Jenna Sims. Good which is a lot. And most of the top guys won't play three events before the next major, I don't think. Yeah. So So as time goes on, it actually is leading towards as much, if not more, playing. Not I'm to mention, you had to play events in like Oman just to get like, yeah, just to practice.